You're listening to From Passion to Profit, a show about female entrepreneurs who have built their businesses from the ground up and turned their passion into profit. These episodes share their most inner working thoughts, their journey, triumphs, and challenges. Whether you're just starting out or looking to take your business to the next level, these women have valuable advice and insights to share. If you want to turn your passion into profit, this podcast is for you. This episode is one of my favorite episodes, mainly because this was recorded in October of 2022 and a lot has changed since then. Since the recording of this podcast, Kay has grown her agency rapidly and has created the ideal scenario for herself as someone who stays committed to her craft and her services for her clients. Kay is an amazing friend of mine and I'm so honored to be sharing with you the origin of her entrepreneurial journey. Because Kay Allen Carr's journey, especially current state, is one you want to keep your eyes on. If you're building an agency or a service-based business, this episode will have you at the edge of your seat and writing pages and pages of notes. This is how Kay turned her passion into profit. So I did some digging on your LinkedIn because I was like trying to search about like extra facts about UK. And I know in one of our retreats or our last retreat, you mentioned you had like this business idea with your friend that you like did a competition with, right? Yeah. And in my mind, I was like, oh, that's maybe like the start of her entrepreneurship journey. But then on your LinkedIn, you created lily pad candles. Yeah, that is. So I've had several businesses over the years, always trying to test out new marketing ideas because obviously I'm a fellow marketer. And so at the agency I worked for, I always felt like it was not right to test out ideas for the first time ever with a client account. So I would always have like these little side businesses going where I could test out new things on my own and also learn skills that I didn't feel like I was getting at my job. And so at the time, I think this was like 2014, maybe 2013, I we didn't have any e-commerce clients at the agency I worked for. And I was like, I would really like to learn e-commerce marketing. It's something that I think could be valuable to me as a marketer, but also to the agency I work for so that we can maybe attract e-commerce clients. And so I went on Shopify was like, I think just getting popular around that time. So I went and I like, created a Shopify account and I'm like, okay, now that I have this account, what am I going to sell? So I Googled things that you can make on your own. (laughs) And one of those things was candles and it only required, you know, like wax and containers and like very simple ingredients, scents and stuff. So I'm like, oh, okay, I could do that. So I ordered soy wax and I ordered different scented oils and I ordered these really pretty containers because I don't know if you remember, but at the time, one of the like startup darlings was that candle company where it had a ring at the bottom of every candle. I forget what it was called. Oh, but that's so cool. 
Yeah. So you would burn your candle down. And then when you got to the bottom, there would be like that little prize at the bottom, which was a ring. And some of the rings were like worth a lot of money. And most of them weren't. They were just like toy rings. Right. But I thought they were really, really pretty. And the container, the jars that they came in were really nice. And I wanted those. So I ordered the jars. I ordered everything. I started like making the candles in my kitchen. And that actually went really well in I was able to learn e-commerce marketing. I was able to generate enough clients where I like was doing really good business and I would have to like, you know, pack up all my orders and take them off to the post office before I would go to work in the morning. And it was like fun, but also exhausting because I was hand making all the candles. So I would be up like two in the morning making these candles. And because these really nice jars that I put the candles in were kind of expensive, I was basically breaking even. (laughs) And this is all for the purpose of learning e-commerce marketing. It wasn't because you're passionate about candles. No. Yeah. It was pretty much because I'm passionate about marketing. (laughs) Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. So I did that for a few months and it did occur to me, obviously, as I was building up a client base, could this be something someday? But I didn't know at the time, like how to scale that type of business. So I didn't know at the time how to scale that type of business, especially because my margins were so low due to the expensive jars, plus not buying the ingredients and like that big of a bulk, you know, so I wasn't getting like big discounts or anything. And so after about like a year or so of doing that, I'm like, okay, I'm ready to retire the shop. And One of my customers actually knew how to make candles. And so when I retired the shop, I still had some like materials left. And she was like, can I just buy them from you? Because I love your candles and I'll just make them myself. It was like, perfect. So I got rid of the rest of my like materials inventory and closed down the shop. But as a marketer, that felt like such a great like jumping off point for me because we did then start signing e-commerce clients at the agency I worked for. And Mm -hmm. I felt like, okay, I know how to do email marketing for e-commerce and I know how to do social ads for e-commerce. And I know how to, you know, how to find my way around the back end of a Shopify store and which apps to use inside of a Shopify and all of that. So I felt like it was a worthwhile endeavor, even though I just kind of broke even on it. Yeah, no, definitely. Not a lot of people would see it that way, but <laughs> definitely as a fellow marketer, I would I would absolutely agree. What was that conversation like to your supervisor higher ups of like, hey, we need to set, we need to offer this in the agency, but before you do that, I'm gonna do it first and then come back to you. So I didn't have a conversation with my boss or my colleagues that I was doing it to learn some marketing skill. They knew that I was creating the business, but they thought it was just for like a side hobby or like a side hustle. And they were like supportive. They're like, oh, that's so cool that you're doing this. But I didn't tell them it was because I wanted to sign e-commerce clients eventually. And it was just kind of like towards the end where I was like, hey, I've learned a lot about e-commerce marketing. Can we, do you think we can sign an e-commerce client? Because I think I can do a really good job. And they just said yes. Yeah. So it was a bigger agency compared to like 
my agency now, you know, we were a seven figure agency, multi multi seven figure agency, but still mm -hmm. a small boutique agency, like in the grand scheme of things. So it was very much like, okay, well, if you want to do that, let's give it a try, you know? Yeah, no, that's so cool. This part of Kay's story emphasizes the value of a real-world experience when trying to build a career. She was initially interested in law, but found her passion in marketing through experience, leading her to establish several side businesses. One such venture, Lilypad Candles, became a learning platform for e-commerce marketing. This business served as a practical experiment, enabling Kay to develop and test marketing strategies ultimately contributing valuable e-commerce expertise to her agency. Kay used her side businesses as a testing ground for professional skills, something we can all learn from. So I would say that my boss at the previous agency, who was the owner of the agency, had a lot of confidence and trust in me. And so I, and I did work there for 10 years, so I think we built up that confidence and trust. And I think he knew that I wouldn't be bringing this to the table if I didn't feel pretty confident that I could figure it out. Even if the limited experience that I had was all based on my own business, he knew that I possessed the marketing skills where I would be like the analytical skills to probably be able to figure it out. So, and then yeah. some, I mean, today, some of my, favorite clients are e-commerce. I mean, I love all of my clients, of course, <laughs> but there's just like a special place in my heart. I feel like for e-commerce clients now, even though they make up a small percentage of my overall client roster, just because I remember what it was like to build up that e-commerce business for a year. Mm -hmm. No, definitely. I, you know me, I love e-commerce clients too. So this is the same agency that you worked you said 10 years at, and you were, you climbed your way to VP of marketing and analytics. Yes. What was that like? What did that take to climb up the corporate ladder in a way? I love that question. So when I started there, I actually came in as the only digital marketer in the agency, which felt very strange. But my boss at the time told me, that he hired me because he had actually hired two people who were VPs at a really well-known, really big international agency that has an office in Miami, which is where the agency that I worked for was also based. And he said that he had to fire those two people because they it had been so long since they had actively managed campaigns that they had no idea what they were doing. They were just used to being like high up, high level managers. And he was like, I, the agency that I worked for had been around for 20, about 20 years at the time that I joined them, but they were like a traditional agency. And my boss at the time wanted to grow out the digital portion of the agency. So he hired those VPs from that big agency and he felt like that didn't work out. And he's like, I need somebody who's like actively in it. Every day you're working on campaigns, generating results. And, you know, that's who I need to like start this department. He's like, I can help with like, you know, getting clients and I can help with strategy and I can help with all these things, you know, but I need somebody who can actually generate results. Otherwise, we're going to have a big problem in growing out this part of the agency. And so I came in and that's what I did. 
the first two years I was in more of like a, a manager, like a, I was called like a manager, but I was, I was the lowest person and the highest person in the digital marketing department. So I wasn't managing anyone except myself. Um, after that, a great situation to be in. Yeah. (laughs) After that, like, as we, as we were able to generate client revenue for clients and show that our campaigns were really profitable, we were able to obviously keep signing more clients. And my boss had the confidence to increase the price of the packages that we're selling to clients because he knew the type of ROI we could generate for them. So as the, you know, as our contracts grew bigger, as we retained clients longer, as we were able to sign more and more clients, then I was able to start building out my team. So that's when I really was able to go from like manager to director and then to eventually VP. And it took me to go from like all that, I honestly can't remember, it all runs together, but I would say it probably took like maybe six or six or so years to, five, five or six years to like get to the point where I actually had a team that I was managing. Wow, that's a lot of time, you know? Yeah. A lot of time spent in an agency. It almost feels like you dedicated your life to this marketing agency. At what point, did you realize you wanted to start your own marketing business? I did not come to that realization. I knew that I wanted to start my own business. I had been thinking about it and I had tried out a bunch of different ideas over the years. So I think I mentioned to you when we were together in person at the Thrive Retreat for our mastermind that one of the first businesses I started was in my early 20s with my best friend. We started a tech startup and we were actually accepted into a startup accelerator that's in like the tech stars network. And it was all very cool. And that didn't work out. And so then I went back and got a job. And then I started the e-commerce candle business, of course, and a bunch of other little businesses along the way. I always knew that I would start something. It's just nothing ever really hit and was like profitable and allowed me to like actually grow the revenue. And so in 2020, I'm like, okay, what can I do that's marketing related? I would, I had had this great like idea that I needed to create a product-based business. And I was like, no, no, this is what my zone of genius is marketing. I can sell my marketing services, but I don't want to because I've been doing, I've been selling them at an agency for the last 10 years. I need something different. I need something new. So that's when I decided I'll do marketing coaching. And so I actually, in July of 2021, I took on my first coaching client and that was fun. That client is actually still a client of mine today, but not a coaching client, a services client. And I love her so much, but I realized after about like three or four months of doing marketing coaching that I have too much anxiety to be a coach. (laughs) Like I would obviously we'd have our coaching calls and then they'd have their assignments and they'd go work on them. But I would be so nervous. I'd be like, how are things going? Like, and as the coach, I wasn't in there like Google Analytics, wasn't in their ad accounts. I wasn't like in these things. And I'd be like, how are things going? How are things going? How are things going? And it would like, really, really give me so much anxiety. So that's when I was talking to my coach at the time and she was like, 
should you just go back into offering services? Like, should you be a service provider and not a coach? And I'm like, maybe. <laughs> so she at the time was working with Hannah, who is our coach now. And she was like, I want to introduce you to Hannah Nieves. I think you would really like her. And I think she could be a good next mentor for you. And so I did my call with Hannah. After I signed on to Hannah's Brand Authority Accelerator, I was like, okay, I'm going all in on, on offering services again. I relaunched my business as an agency in February of this year. And it's just been like wild since then. Kay reveals a fascinating evolution in her mindset and strategy. Initially embracing diverse business ventures to enhance her marketing acumen, she realized the power of hands-on experience over theoretical knowledge. This practical approach in various entrepreneurial endeavors, particularly the candle business, served as a real-world marketing laboratory enriching her skill set. Yet, things take an interesting turn when she ventures into marketing coaching, only to confront her own anxieties about the limited control inherent in coaching roles. This introspection leads to a pivotal realization about her true strengths and preferences, culminating in a return to service provision. Her journey exemplifies the entrepreneurial spirit, a constant interplay of exploration, self-discovery, and the courage to pivot when necessary. Yeah, even killing it. I was gonna say, I do feel like a lot of people say that they're like, oh wow, you've hit these like crazy revenue milestones in your agency in just like eight months or however months it's been. But then I think, well, yes, that's true. But I've also been in the mindset of agency building for 10 years prior to this, you know? So, and I helped to build and scale the entire digital marketing department for that agency for 10 years. So I feel like I've figured out a lot of things during that time period that allowed me to like grow quickly now on my own. Mm -hmm. That's so true. And it's transferable skills. Um, yeah. So I want to take like multiple steps back. Well, what came first? Was it leaving the position at the agency that you were at or starting your coaching business? Starting my coaching business for sure. So I did not actually go full time in my agency until September 1st of this year. So, wow. Yeah. So every, all of the milestones that I hit, I think the thing that I'm most proud about is that I did that on part time hours. <laughs> um, yeah. So I did go part time at the agency I was employed at in February of this year, which is why I was you know, I opened the agency side of my business in February. And so those two things coincided. But until September 1st, I was still part time at the agency. So yeah, it's been it's honestly been a crazy and somewhat exhausting year. But amazing too. What was then the, the push that happened that made you decide, okay, I'm quitting and I'm going to go all in? Well, in January, at the end of January, I think it was January 26th of this year, 2022, I had a really like big breakdown, like sobbing on the bathroom floor breakdown because I felt like I really want to go all in in my business. I felt like financially I was a in a place to do that, but I also knew that if I submitted my resignation to the agency that I worked for, that it would let some people down. And so I felt like 
really torn about wanting to go all in on my business at that point and not really feeling like I could. And so eventually, like after I had my breakdown, my boss and I spoke and he was like, you know, it's fine. You can go part time. I'm like, I'm just really overwhelmed, you know? And so that's when I did go part time and and the agency side of my business like really took off once I had the time to dedicate to it. But yeah, that was, but that was the turning point. (laughs) Okay. So that was the turning point. You had this breakdown story, super common. (laughs) You're not alone. How did you come across the coaching industry? Okay, so in November of 2020, I was talking with a friend of mine who had started her own business, and she told me, oh, I just hired a business coach. And I was like, what the heck is a business coach? I had never heard of it before. So I Googled business coach. And I'm not sure if you know who, I think we've talked about this, who Erin May Henry is. Yes, she's my first coach. Yes. So I Googled business coach and she's like, at the time she was optimized for that term. So her website came up. I clicked into her website and I saw that she charged $2,000 for a six month business coaching program. And I literally thought in my head, who would pay $2,000 for business coaching? That is insane. <laughs> but that was my first sort of introduction into business coaching. And I was like, wow, okay, that's so interesting. I had no idea people would pay $2,000 for business coaching, you know? And so I started following Erin and I joined a couple of her programs to see what is business coaching all about, you know? And my business, so when I started offering marketing coaching, I offered it at $10,000 for three months. So I quickly got over that hurdle of people won't pay $2,000. But because I was charging so much for my coaching, I hit big revenue goals like really quickly. And so I felt like at the time, Erin works a lot with, I feel like, newer newer business owners and so i was a new business owner but i was also making pretty good money and so i wasn't i didn't feel super called to work with her i joined her membership but i didn't like join any of her programs and so then i hired gabrielle lara who is also in our master our thrive mastermind now as my business coach and she really helped me get into alignment on like who's my ideal client you know what am i going to do all of that and getting to work with her and see what it's like to get one-on-one business coaching from someone was really helpful to me because it allowed me to understand how to provide coaching to my clients. Mm -hmm. The difference is I feel like Gabby and a lot of other coaches are really good at knowing, I don't know if boundaries is the right word, but not feeling anxious, like understanding you can only do so much as a coach and coming from the agency world where you're expected to provide results for clients, I felt Like it was just so out of my comfort zone to like separate myself from the work. And so that's why I really felt like I needed to like get back into services. Mm, Yeah, I absolutely get it. When you launched your marketing coaching services, so you launched it at $10,000 for three months. Yes. Walk me through what happened when you got your first client. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I always say this, I gave this testimonial to Gabby because it's absolutely true. When I received the inquiry for my first discovery call, if I did not have a business coach at that time, I would not have taken that call. I only took that call because I was like, oh, well, I paid Gabby $5,000 to like coach me through how to build a business. So I better take this call <laughs> and try to build a business. But I know if I didn't have a business coach, my anxiety over doing a discovery call would have prevented me. I would have been like, I'm so sorry, I can't, I can't do the call. And I probably would have just shut down my business and not done a single thing with it. So I'm like such a strong believer in having a business coach and like a good support network because the only reason that I'm that I got my coaching services out there, eventually got, you know, my agency clients is because I had a business coach who helped me through like each new thing that I had to do. Kay's story is more than a tale of business milestones. It's a deep dive into the mental and emotional landscape of an entrepreneur grappling with identity and role shifts. Her experience of transitioning from an agency employee to starting her coaching business, then pivoting back to service provision, highlights the nuanced decision-making process entrepreneurs face. This resonates with the inherent challenges of aligning personal values with professional ambitions, especially when venturing into new areas like coaching. It also underscores the importance of mentorship and coaching in the entrepreneurial journey, illustrating how external guidance can catalyze personal growth and business success. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm on the same boat. I'm definitely very grateful for the mentors that we have. Yeah, that's so funny. So how do you, what does that approach look like now with your sales calls for your agency? That's a great question. So I like to say that my discovery calls aren't sales calls. I feel like as a marketer, you should be able to consume my content on Instagram or look through my website and know what I offer. And that's also why I'm not shy about sharing what my prices are, because by the time someone gets to a discovery call, I don't want to sell. I'm not, I'm not skilled at selling. And so I don't really use them as sales calls. I use them as like true discovery calls, like tell me about your business, tell me what your goals are, and I'll tell you if I think I can help you achieve them. And I'll also tell you if those goals are realistic. Because if someone's like, I want to make a million dollars this year, and they're making like $5,000 a month, I'm like, okay, what money are we investing in ads? You know? But yeah, I, I like doing discovery calls now that I understand that they don't have to be sales calls. Mm -hmm. I love talking to people like we're talking now. I love talking to people about their business, to hear their history, why they started their business, you know, the success that they've had so far. A lot of the people who come to me are, well, all the people who come to me are at least six or seven figure business owners. And 99% of them have gotten there just by like flying by the seat of their pants. And oftentimes they're like a little shy to admit that or embarrassed. And I'm like, that's actually amazing. Like never be embarrassed about that because that is like the most impressive thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> oh yeah. To just be able to throw things at the wall and it actually sticks. It's like, yeah. I'm envious of that. Right. Um, exactly. So I really like, I really enjoy doing discovery calls now 
but I still have. So when I did that first discovery call that I had, Gabby had given me like a list of like different things to cover, right? She was like, make sure you talk about what's included in the package, make sure you talk about pricing, make sure you ask when you can follow up. And even though I've done like a hundred discovery calls now, before I get on every discovery call, I always look at my notes from that first one. And I was saying to her, I'm like, I think it's just like a security blanket. Like, obviously I don't need to look at it anymore, but I do every single time. I love that. Or the word that came to my mind was like a ritual, right? It's like lawyers, they have like their their own pre-court ritual. And that's like your pre-discovery call ritual. Yes, exactly. And in my notes, too, I had put, so it was like reminder and like all the notes that I put out were related to that marketing coaching offer I had. So like not even relevant to what I offer today at all, the price point, not relevant, nothing, but I always look, I always look at those notes. Yeah. I mean, especially if they worked, right? They worked the first time, so they'll continue to keep working. True. I guess it's just like a confidence builder. At the time, I had been at my previous agency for 10 years, and I worked with, I don't want to say I didn't like the clients, but I worked with a lot of men, a lot of male energy, (laughs) and my favorite client from that agency was a female business owner who had built her business like multiple seven figures a year. And I just loved working with her because we would get on the, on like our reporting calls and instead of just like diving right into it or having to make small talk about sports, I, she would tell me about her dog and I would tell her about my cats or we would talk about like things that we recently bought or did. And it was just so much more fun. And I felt so much more connected to her because we were able to like have small talk about things that I actually cared about. (laughs) So I was like, how can I work with more people that I feel excited to talk to like that? And so when I decided that I didn't want to do coaching anymore and I was going to go back into agency life, I knew my ideal client was her. Like when I think of my ideal client, I'm like, it's that person that I worked with. She has a pet. She wants to talk about her pet. She likes shopping. She likes, you know, makeup and handbags and like all of those things. And that's who I've really tried to, I mean, obviously I work with clients who don't all love those things, but most of my clients do fall into that category. And that just makes me like, I like doing marketing. I love doing marketing, but I especially love doing marketing for people that I like. So, oh yeah, yeah. it makes it so much easier. Yeah, you You feel good. You're like, oh, I helped that person, you know, reach that goal or have that milestone in their own life, and that just feels good. Whereas with my at the other company, I felt like really disconnected. Like I was only connected to them when it came to like their marketing results. And that's fine. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. And probably some people would say that's the right way to have professional relationships. But to me, that's not what I wanted. Mm-hmm. No, no, I agree. What would you say to people who are in that space of like, how do I find my ideal clients? What does that look like? How do I narrow that down? 
I think you have to just look at who are your favorite people to work with. And if you have not enjoyed working with anyone yet, then you know who you're not looking for, right? <laughs> so keep bringing on new people and eventually you're gonna meet someone that you really like, like and connect with. And then that's the person, that's the model for like who your ideal client is. Mm, yeah, I love that. So fast forward a few months, right? Because your business is scaling quickly. You had the coaching, then you pivoted to agency services. You found your ideal client. You know exactly who you're working with. Now you are realizing you need to give up control and have a team that supports you. What was that? <laughs> I can see in your face, you're like, yeah, that was the worst decision of my life. It's been, tell, tell me about that. Yeah, that has been the most difficult thing for me. So I actually see, I talk to my therapist about this all the time because I've always had this problem. Even when I was managing a team before, like an in-house team of people who worked 40 hours a week with me, I still had a lot of difficulty not... I don't want to say micromanaging them, but being like, did you make sure you tested that 500 times? Did you make sure that this happened, that happened, right? And so in my own business, it's been even more difficult to give up that control because they always say nobody cares about your business more than you. And I definitely feel that way and I understand it, but I, I just feel nervous every time somebody's doing something and I'm trying, I'm actively trying to work through that because I know to scale beyond where I'm at now, it has to happen, you know? And so I feel like you and I talk about that a lot. I'm always like, how did you do it? <laughs> because I'm, I'm actively working through it. <laughs> yeah. How I, I cry at night to myself. That's how I do it. And then I put on a show of confidence the next day. I'm half joking. <laughs> but yeah. So so what is one story that people could learn from when it comes to this? Yeah. Well, I guess both things are difficult. Emotional regulation and surrendering to a team. So surrendering to a team... When I was at my old agency, people would always joke that I was someone who didn't make mistakes. Like I pretty much never made mistakes. And I felt like I carried that into my business for a really long time. I am a classic perfectionist when it comes to my work. And also I used to tell my employees this at the agency, like, don't do what I do, find a middle ground. So if you don't think you need to test an email before you send it out, test it. What I would do is test it 500 times and that's a waste of time. But that's just who I am. My anxiety kicks in and I'm like, just one more time, test it just one more time. <laughs> so I've been also been trying to find that middle ground. And so anyways, to tie this back to the team, I realized very recently that I have to give up control and I have to let a team help me because my own capacity for managing all of my clients now that my client roster has grown so much, it's just not possible for me. So I have a client who is sells services in the, what would you call it, like sports space? And she is a really accomplished runner and she has 
done something called OTQ, which is she qualified for the Olympic trials. And I put in an email that I wrote on her behalf that she qualified for the Olympics instead of saying she qualified for the Olympic trials. And that is not a mistake that I would have ever made before, but I sent that, I like let that email go out. And I, and then she messaged me and she was like, hey, just to clarify, you know I qualified for the trials and not the actual Olympics, right? And it, obviously not a huge deal, not like super bad, but I was, I felt so bad because I'm like, oh my gosh, like that email went out under her name. And now, you know, people think like she doesn't know the difference. Between, of course she does, right? But it was then that I was like, okay, I can't, like I missed that because I have so much on my mind. And somebody else, if I was delegating to a team member, probably wouldn't have missed that. So now I'm redelegating. <laughs> As Kay transitioned from an agency role to leading her own business, she had to learn new skills. Her approach to discovery calls, prioritizing genuine understanding over hard selling, reflects her nuanced grasp of client relations. Her journey, marked by a blend of vulnerability and strategic thinking, showcases the importance of authenticity in business interactions. We also see the challenges of stepping into leadership roles, balancing perfectionism with delegation, and the emotional toll of entrepreneurial growth. So one of the things that you talked about too, well, you mentioned the mastermind a lot in this interview and the being the retreat. What has that done in your business? I know we've only been in it for the past few months. How has that helped you? How has that propelled you towards your goals? It's been amazing. So when I hired my first business coach and she asked me what my financial goal was, I told her I want to make 50K months. And I laughed because that seemed so incredibly unthinkable. I'm like, who makes 50K months? That's not a real thing, you know? And that was how I felt because I didn't know anybody who made 50K. I didn't even know anybody who made 20K months, you know? I felt like, in my job at my previous agency, I made above six figures and I thought I was doing like amazing, you know, most of my friends didn't hit six figures until after I did. So I was like, you know, kind of like a big deal. <laughs> but after like coming oh, really? in space and seeing what was possible, I'm like, oh, okay, maybe 15K months are possible. Maybe 20K months are possible. But when I started hitting those milestones, I had a lot of doubt, like a lot of, I don't know if it was exactly imposter syndrome, but because I didn't necessarily think I cannot maintain 20 or 30K months, I felt like no one can maintain 20 or 30K months. It's not realistic. And joining our mastermind and being around nine other women who are consistently hitting those numbers made me realize not only is it possible for me, but actually if you're in the right circle, like a lot of people are doing it. You know, I just didn't know anyone at the time, but now I do. And I see that it's, I don't want to say normal because I don't want to sound out of touch, but that it can be normal, normal-ish. It is great. It, it is so, it blows my mind. Like <laughs> it still blows my mind. I tell my husband all the time, I feel like it's not real. I feel like it's like, 
I'm running a pretend business, that it's play money, that it's like <laughs> just not real. But it is, and it's real for me, and it's real for the nine other women in our in our mastermind. And I'm like, okay, that reminds me that like all of this is fine, and what goes up doesn't have to come down, because that's how I always felt. And I had actually worked with a money mindset coach when I started hitting like 15, 20k months, and I told her that I felt like what goes up must come down, and she said, well, why do you think that? She's like, when you got a raise at your job and you got a raise to $100,000 or whatever, did you think my boss is going to take that away someday? Or were you confident that you would only increase your salary? And I was like, oh, yeah, I was confident that I would increase my salary. And so she was like, so you don't really believe that what goes up comes down. And I was like, oh, that's good. <laughs> that is so good. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. And acting acting as if yeah but it's not gonna come down like that's your norm you know that's your reality yeah currently exactly which is still i still don't feel like it's reality i feel like what is happening <laughs> but yeah. the fact that i see all of you guys also doing it i'm like okay i'm probably not dreaming but maybe i am and maybe in my dream everyone's just really successful <laughs> We're going to wake up one day and all of a sudden, like, we look at our bank account and it's $10. We actually still work at our jobs. Right. <laughs> this is just Candyland. This is yeah. full on pretend. Yeah. That's so funny. You scaled really quick. Now you're working towards 50,000 months. What are the thoughts that's coming to your mind? Maybe the mindset shifts that you're having to make or even maybe the logical things that you're having to handle in the day to day. It's what I feel like when they say at certain different points. So for me, I think when I hit above 25k is when I realized I have a whole new set of problems that I never even considered before. And that's all really related to system scaling. I realized the systems that I had in place were not scaling with me. I realized that the way I was managing my team was not scaling. I I just realized all the gaps that you can kind of hide or push under the rug when you have less clients and there's less money involved and all of that. And so I've really been, as my business has continued to grow, realized, okay, I need to get all of these different things right. Like before it's, okay, I just need to make more money. And I need to serve my clients better. And, you know, you're really just focused on, am I making enough to support the things that I need to support? Am I saving enough? Do I have enough saved for taxes? And are my clients happy? And now it's all these other like CEO things, right? Like systems, operations, project management, all of those things that I'm like trying to figure out that I did not have to really worry about so much when I was at the other agency and there was an operations person who like took care of those things for us. And I think one of my biggest struggles is understanding because I feel like there are business owners out there who do not, they hire a CEO. They're like, I enjoy doing what I'm good at doing. And I don't think I'm good at operations. I don't think I'm good at you know the management aspect and i'm honestly trying to figure out is that just a challenge that i need to take on 
Or am I someone who should not be a CEO? Like I get the greatest joy in in being in the weeds with my clients. And I also feel like I am the best equipped to be in that position. And so I'm kind of like, maybe I'm not supposed to be the CEO of my business, you know? And what does that look like? Because no one's really talking about that, I feel like. Everyone's like, step up into your CEO role, step up, but what if you don't want to? That's something I've been toying around with a little bit. Yeah, that's a really good question. And that's a real question that, yeah, people definitely aren't thinking about. I don't even think that they even understand that that's a possibility, you know? Yeah. But there are lots of businesses that are like that, or not a lot, but some, right? Where you just understand what is my strength? What is my passion? And you hire for the other roles around you. And the, the founder doesn't necessarily have to be the CEO, right? So, so I feel like where I am at right now, obviously, is I have to be the CEO. I don't have enough revenue to hire a CEO, <laughs> but I do think long term, you know, maybe I will grow into that role and I'll I'll like it eventually. But a part of me is like, I just like being in the weeds with my clients, doing marketing, being part of the launch, being like, you know, talking to them through it and all of those things. And would I want to give that up? I don't think so. So just I'm trying right to figure it all out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're not alone too. <laughs> Kay's story is full of insightful lessons on the challenges of stepping into leadership roles, balancing perfectionism with delegation, and the emotional toll of entrepreneurial growth. Key themes include the importance of mentorship, mastering the art of delegation, and the realization that leadership and entrepreneurship are as much about self-discovery as they are about business acumen. Kay's story underlines the power of resilience, the value of a supportive network, and the continuous learning process inherent in entrepreneurial endeavors, reminding us that success is a collective journey rather than a solitary struggle. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. We couldn't have done it without the hard work and dedication of our amazing team. A special thanks to Kimberly and Brandon for their incredible scripting and quality checking skills. Andrew for his exceptional audio design, and Addie for our outstanding graphics and marketing support. And of course, a huge thanks to our guests for sharing their passion and story with us today. Be sure to check out the show notes for an exclusive blog interview with our guest, as well as links to support them in their business. And don't forget to leave a review and share this podcast on your social media stories. We appreciate your support and can't wait to bring you more great content in the future. Thanks again for listening.